wake up wake up ghetto children what it do it's your girl jess jess be real and welcome back for another dope episode of jess be real podcast today is the fourth of their lies so that'll be the perfect episode enough of me chatting let's get real all right what up fam bam another week another episode hopefully your june ended off well it was pride month i enjoyed it mine ended off phenomenal Hung out with some great people, went to the parade, got vibes. I mean, who goes ahead and does double dutch at the pier? Come on now. That's a different type of vibe. That's what that's what us, you know, people look how they do. We make things pop out of nothing. And given probably was the first year back since the pandemic, it was a good vibe. I guess because I'm older, I'm not into all the extravagant extra stuff. I'm here for the chill, subtle, grown and sexy vibes. And that's exactly what it gave. Definitely enjoyed myself. But, you know, we are now in the month of July. Yes, July, and uh, I say July like that because, not because I'm country, but because that's exactly what it is, nothing but lies. Um, So today's episode is called The Force of Your Lies, because today's the 4th of July, and what they deem to be Independence Day. And y'all know, for us, this ain't our holiday. But what I am starting to have an issue with is now that they've made the propaganda of making Juneteenth a holiday, they skipped everything else we asked for and demanded, which is just, you know, equality some equity, a little bit, you know, strategies of acknowledging and just not killing us for no damn reason. You know what I'm saying? The simple things. Oh, but for them, that's a little too much. So they said, let's give them this holiday. They complained that they wanted to make Juneteenth a holiday by, you know, Mother Opal. And that wasn't enough for us. That's not what we asked for. But you know what? We just going to get into it. So... Um, Juneteenth, as y'all know, June 19th. I don't know what y'all did for Juneteenth, but I had a bomb Juneteenth. Um, I spent it with my tribe, a person from my tribe. Dope vibe, dope energy. It was based off the 99 and 2000s theme. Bruh, music videos. Bruh, when I say everybody showed out, everybody showed out, bruh. Like, the energy, the vibe, the atmosphere was all there. Like, I definitely felt like I was shut out of the Take You Home video from Bow Wow. Um, but my homegirl was ludicrous. It was just great energy. Um, it was good to just live childhood all over again and, you know, just go back to the nostalgia of the innocence of being a teenager. Um, cause the 2000s for me was literally my teenage years. I had just hit the double digits in 2000 when the Y2K phenomenon happened. And then literally gradually went from the double digits all the way up until 2010 when I hit my 20s. So it was a prime time to be in your in your teen years to experience some things. That's when they still had like teen nights at clubs. You still was going to music videos. Still had 106 in Park. You still were able to be a child and still feel like a little bit mature in your teenage years. Um, sidekicks were a big thing because texting was not free. <laughs> all right. Blackberries were a thing. You have phones, but you knew not to call nobody after nine o'clock. Okay. Um, but AIM was major. That was our text messaging, having away messages. And I say we were the generation that were the ones to bridge the gap. Um, we came into a time where there wasn't technology, pretty much. I mean, you did have AOL, like, you've got mail kind of thing, but you had to use the phone line. But we came into an era now where you had broadband and you had more technology to try to keep in touch. So you weren't keeping phone books anymore of writing people's numbers down and having to know their address or phone numbers by heart. Pagers were starting to become extinct. Um, freaking what? Pay phones were becoming extinct. So it was a time. It was a time. And um, it was just a good vibe, good energy. I enjoyed myself. So shout out to my homegirl, Dara, for that. <coughs> Excuse me. 
it was it was good energy. Um, so my Juneteenth was lit. Um, and of course, you know, she went all out. So that's the only Independence Day I celebrate. Um, I don't feel like white people should have all for Juneteenth, but you know, that's not here nor there, but we'll get into that. But uh for the fourth of their of the fourth of your lives, I feel like it's been shoved down our throat that we have to celebrate Fourth of July. Um, last time I checked, July fourth, seventeen seventy six, us melanated folks is not free, honey. Okay, um, because if y'all know the proper date for Juneteenth, it wasn't until the eighteen hundreds. So we had some time to go before there was some freedom on our end. Nonetheless, I feel like we were pretty much forced in propaganda or you know swindled to believe. That, hey, if we go ahead and fight and, you know, because since, you know, everybody thinks Abraham Lincoln is such this abolitionist and he's so, you know, helped for the Emancipation Proclamation to, you know, get slaves free. And he was all about us having our own and being freed from the shackles of the white man, you know, and I say it's all bullshit. Freaking Lincoln was nowhere near for us. He used us to be able to win a war that he knew he couldn't win alone with his people. Oh, I'm going to say that again for y'all. He went ahead and used us to win a war for his people because he knew without us, as always, because what? The culture is built on our backs. Okay? Without us, he wasn't going to get what he wanted. So I'm going to get a little more into that. Y'all probably heard of the Mason-Dixon line, if y'all haven't. I don't know where you were at in geography class. Um, That's part of the Civil War, and I know a lot of us took American history, as they say it. And I say that in air quotes, if y'all could see me right now. <clears throat> American history, um, y'all learned about the Civil War. Uh, and if you think about it, was it really a civil war? Because who was really civil in the process? It was North versus South, yes. But think about who really participated on those front lines. At that point, when it was supposedly free slaves, the ones that went up North and, you know, Abraham Lincoln couldn't get what he wanted, he went ahead and was like, you know what, South, since y'all don't want to go ahead and abide by trying to have this law passed by just freeing these slaves and letting them do and work voluntarily, I don't know how being a slave and getting paid pennies to the dollar, oops, does that sound familiar to y'all? Let's think about it. Where are we in 2021? The black woman gets paid almost, what, 65 cents less to the dollar than the white man. And I'm only going to speak for the black woman because the black man is there too, but they're not much of a struggle because they're not the bottom of the totem pole with the rest of us black women. So I'm going to speak for us right now. Um, we still don't get paid equal pay or what we deserve and what we're what we're offered. Um, and I'm only just going to say on this, little, on this quick little caveat, um, in the accounting industry, I realized I was getting paid less than what I deserved. And I only said it because as of recently... Um, interviewing or applying for a job, the salary for the same position I had within my other job was literally 15K more with the same amount of work. Did y'all hear what I just said? It was 15K more, <laughs> but the same amount of work and the same exact freaking title. Riddle me that. Right. So whole time I'm thinking I'm making a stride. And in reality, I'm still being shortchanged. But does that not sound familiar with the within the civil wars of saying you can have free slave and let them work for you and you guys pay them? Child, please. Ain't no white man about to sit here and try to pay you after you've been working for them for years. And then they're about to pay you what you're really worth. Again, black people, that's what we have to realize. This ain't our holiday. It never will be our holiday. It wasn't meant for us. 
So because Lincoln couldn't get what he wanted, he said, I'm going to just go ahead and create a civil war because I'm going to have them say, if you come up north and be with me and fight against the South, then you can go ahead and have exactly what I'm saying. You could be a free slave. Whole time, it was a ploy. As always, what are we, pawns in the game of chess? If y'all don't know how to play chess, I don't know if y'all know, but I was a little chess whiz. The queen is the most powerful piece on the board. She's worth nine points. The king is only worth one point. Them together worth ten, worth, are worth 10 points. The king has no real value because he can't move across the board as he'd like. Okay? He can move, but only with one step or one, one move. Okay? There's a castle move that you can be able to do. And I know this probably like, Jess, what the hell are you talking about? I don't play no chess. And that's probably the problem too, because chess is a mental game and it stimulates you to have to think logically and analytically and things, not just on, you know, on the board, but on life and day to day. I'm so grateful my mom put me in chess and martial arts at a young age because that stimulated to me not to be so irrational and impulsive with decisions and be more logical and analytical and to be have more of a be a critical thinker to what I need to do when it comes to day to day or any decisions I make. When people say life is like chess, not checkers, a lot of y'all using that term don't even never play chess a damn day in y'all lives. So be mindful of how you're using it. If you don't know the real terminology, the background and the definition of what chess is to checkers. Okay. Now, me, I ain't no checkers player. Never played the thing. Probably once or twice. Don't know the real logic of the game, but to me, it's frivolous. It's not enhancing me. It's not elevating me. It's not exercising my mental skills or my mental muscle. Now, when it comes to chess, as I was stating before, the queen is the most powerful piece on the board. She's worth nine points. You have the king that's worth one. Then you have a rook, a knight as well on each side of the king and the queen. Now, y'all know me being me, I'm going to take y'all down a little philosophical, analytical, anecdote kind of situation because I'm just be real. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? But if the queen's the most powerful piece on the board and she's worth nine points, but she can move as many spaces across the board, any direction, diagonal, horizontal, vertical, whatever. And you put the castle move into effect where you have the line of pawns of always as a front line of pawns before every priority piece that protects them pretty much like a shield or a wall and you make that castle move which you have to make within the first four moves of the game and you move the rook over to where the king is that's the only time the king is able to make more than two two places or two spaces on the board because at that point you're somewhat protecting him and keeping him in the corner of the board where now the rook which is the only one that can move vertical or horizontal is able to be that protector and fulfill what's needed to protect the king on top of what the pawn is. Now, mind you, the queen is still in the original space it was, which was next to the king. But somehow, someway, now they're distanced and apart. Y'all know y'all know about to see where I'm about to go with this. If the queen is the most powerful piece on the board and she can move away, and the king takes a castle move, pretty much you have an interception to allow him to be protected. But the black... But I'm not even going to say the black, but the queen is the one that's able to move. But she's somewhat protected, but there's still empty space between the two. That's just how it is with the black woman. We can move where or whenever or however, because our logic and our and our tenacity and our, our hunger to want to have more, to do more, to be the superwoman, as you know, they were saying, you know, you're able to move as you please because that's what you're allowed to do. But at the same token, we're the most prized possession on the board. The prized possession, because once you capture a queen, 
pretty much the game is over because not every piece, especially when it comes to the knight, the knight can only move into an L position, which means it can only move into three spaces, one up to the right or one up to the left. You know what I'm saying? Or two up to the right, two up to the left. There's not many moves that the rook or I mean not the knight can make without having to be strategic to know, am I going to be captured? Because the bishop only moves diagonally. Okay? But it's the queen that can move all across the board, whatever way that those prize pieces can move. But the king can only move one space. As always, like us as black women, we're protecting the king as always because we know our power. We know our point value. We know how valuable we are to this actual game of chess in order for us to be able to say, checkmate. You see what I'm saying? So when we're able to push the king in the corner to protect him and shield him, who's there protecting us? Because once the pawn gets captured and that front line of pawns are gone, what are we left to just be exposed? But whole time, nine times out of ten, those pawns are protecting that king. They ain't going nowhere. Y'all see what I'm saying? We have to understand our value as black people to know the black man needs to realize us black women are going to be the only ones forever really in your corner to understand who you are and what you go through. Given we're so powerful on that board, don't just let the pawns protect us. You protect us. Because literally, without us protecting you, there's really no value because they can put you in checkmate at any time. But we're the ones that are able to defend and capture those pieces. Mmm. You see what I did there? Y'all see what I did there? Oh, all right. Yeah, leave it to Jess to try to go ahead and make an analogy using chess with real life society. Because that's what it is. But whole time, never forget, when they're playing a the game of chess, the white pieces always move first. <laughs> and the black always has to move in counteraction to what the white pieces already had moved for their first move. Think about it. The same way it is in society. The first move was to go ahead and brainwash and dismiss our, our history of who we were as a people. So what do they do? We're going to plant Fourth of July in their head. Fourth of July is Independence Day. Fourth of July is when America became free. Fourth of July is when we became the United States because, you know, the 13 original colonies, you know, I know y'all used to watch Schoolhouse Rock because that's the first thing that popped in my head when I said 13 original colonies. The 13 original colonies were now no under British rule and now we're the United States of America. But the U.S. was never for us. Okay? So we're going to put it in their heads as young kids in American history or U.S. history, make it a requirement and teach them how imperative it was to have the 4th of July in their lives and what it is for us as a country. But let's just erase Juneteenth. Juneteenth don't matter because them black folks don't matter. It's whatever. You know what I'm saying? They, it, they, don't, they don't need to know their own history. They don't need to know how influential it was and how we were able to participate in the Civil War to really make the United States the United States. They don't need to know that they had freedom and rights where they were pretty much the three-fifths rule came into play where every three slaves out of the five were it counted as one vote. Oh, but we not going to go there right now because y'all don't want me to give y'all some history because y'all know my blurred behind. I be reading. I be knowing. I be researching it. I be listening. Okay. We're not going to sit here and give them that much of, uh, of a knowledge base to understand who they are and why they are and how important they are. Because if we erase their history, then they ain't got nothing to look back to because then they just think that they're part of our life and part of what we built. Whole time is stolen. So 4th of July is, as I said, the force of your lives, the force of their lives, the force of the lives they put on us for us to believe that this is a holiday we need to celebrate. The force of the lives for us to believe that what our history is and what it means to us and how it built this country doesn't even matter. 
Do y'all not know literally a few days ago was literally the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacres of 1921? A hundred years. You know how long that was? That's not even that long ago. A hundred years ago, literally, is when the Tulsa massacre occurred. Where white men were so envious of what we built on our own. Businesses. You know, homes, family, generational wealth is what we were building. They got so mad, they burned and destroyed what we built. But that's one of many. Amber Griffin said it best. Oh, I don't know if y'all watched the Amber Griffin show. But Amber Griffin said it best. It's on Peacock. And she said, Lake Lanier, which if I don't know, y'all know about it. But anybody from Georgia or ATL know about Lake Lanier, was built over a black county where there was a racetrack, churches, cemeteries, homes that we were pushed out of, redlined, pretty much redlined. And they felt like they wanted to build a man-made lake. So they built a man-made lake. But keep in mind, a lot of it couldn't be removed. So when they had that drought of a few years back in Atlanta and their water supply wasn't there, you could see the seats of the, the racetrack. You could see the top of the church. You know what I'm saying? You could see probably remnants of church. If you look at Lake Lanier, which I'm finally happy that they're, you know, coming out with this documentary or movie about it. The cemetery, you can't, what are you about to dig up the dead? The cemetery is still there. So people, all these mysterious deaths. And, you know, casualties that happen when people are Lake Lanier while they're sailing literally across cemetery. They're going across our ancestors. So you think they about to let you forget who they were? Oh, honey, no, that's not how this work, baby. <laughs> so they're sucking you down. They're pulling you down. They're drowning you because they're letting you know we're still here. The cemeteries are still there. The plots are still there. The bodies are still there. That's one of over a hundred cities. Do y'all hear me? A hundred black owned cities that have been literally drowned by water. Amber Griffin said, and I quote, the next time you drive by a lake, wonder, was it a black city beneath it? I got to pause. Because when you really think about it, a lot of these lakes in America, KKK, are man-made. How... Lake Lanier is the only one that we commonly know. But the list I seen when she described it and how they tried to literally wash away our history for us to not know because they have the commerce, the ability to just do so is, is freaking unfathomable. So now when I drive by a lake, I'm thinking, well, damn, was this another one of my one of the things that my ancestors built that they washed away? Where they forced us to have to have our hand in their pocket. Government assistance. I'm going to sit here and help you with government assistance because we know we took everything from you and we redlined the house that you built and you bought. And we're going to redline you because we want to build an uh, infrastructure or have something over this where we're going to make you have to depend on us. <laughs> and the crazy part is, in the all actuality, there are more white people on government assistance than black. But dun dun but let society tell it and let them tell it in their story of their lives. We're the ones always on our handout. We're the ones that don't want to do nothing for ourselves. We're the ones that want to have work ethic. We're the ones that don't want to build and try to have generational wealth. But baby, when we had it, you destroyed it. 
When we had it, you tried to demise us and bring us down as if we didn't have, like, we not hard workers. You forgot we came from Africa. If we were slaves, we were able to withstand more stuff than y'all could. Y'all can never work in the sun for hours at a time picking cotton. Y'all can never work in the sun going ahead and plowing and growing. Y'all can never make something out of nothing the way y'all gave us excess body parts to the animals y'all slaughtered just to make it seem like, oh, y'all can have this chitlins, hog's guts. But you see, we have it as a delicacy in the South. Pig feet. Because y'all wanted to have the bacon and the ham. You see, what, you see what I'm saying? We always make something out of nothing. And the fact that we're so resilient will forever bother them. So what? The lies continue. But now that we're having an awakening, especially after George Floyd, Juneteenth now has become a holiday. But I've been celebrating Juneteenth since I was a child. I was marching in parades as a scholar, as an athlete, a black honors athlete back in high school. I have the t-shirts to prove it. Juneteenth was always something my mother made a part of my culture. Juneteenth is something that she taught me because she knew that when I got into the school system, they were not going to teach it to me. But you guess what? American history and U.S. history are required and mandated a part of my curriculum. And I can tell you that because even in honors and AP courses... I could I can tell you from my schedules those were required. American history, US history, Revolutionary War, all of that stuff is required for me to know. But I had to choose African American history as an elective to learn about myself. Mr. Nerdin, I will never forget him. I don't know if some of my friends who listen to this podcast went to White Plains High School, but Mr. Nerdin, I will never forget him because he was a Islamic brother, young fly brother. And he was hard on me and when I was in his social studies class for honors for American. But he was more, I guess you can say, open and I guess you can say more loving when I was in African-American history. And I asked him, what was the reason why you're so hard on me in this, you know, this AP class as opposed to me being in your African-American history class? He said, my sister, the, ish, the reason why I'm like that is because with them, they, they're going to brainwash you to force you with that. And that's something that they're mandating me to have to teach you for you to be able to understand. But in order to understand their history is going to be the way you can be able to comprehend and digest our history. Because I have to love on you a little more because they're not going to teach it to you. So in order for you to understand, I have to give it in a way where it's love and there's a mission behind it. Bruh. Bruh. When I say from that point forward is why I decided I'm not going to a PWI. An HBCU is for me. Because I had a black professor or a black teacher in middle school with a black guidance counselor and a black administrator, which wasn't common, especially for us in our high school, because it's predominantly white, where you have the luxury of having all three. Where you have black teachers, black administrator, black guidance counselor. I had all three. And majority of my professors were Caucasian because I was in AP and honors classes. When I had African-American history as an elective or I had a Puerto Rican professor as my English AP teacher or honors teacher, I, I cherished that because there weren't many of them to show me that, hey, you don't have to be the minority in everything. You can be the majority because they created schools just for us that are meant for us and by us. They might have taken you know, the city of Tulsa and many others, but your mind and your knowledge is something they can never take. Hence why HBCUs are still standing today. How many HBCUs, you know, HBCUs that you know that, you, that weren't created in the 1800s? Think about it. Juneteenth happened in what? The 1800s. 
Dell State was founded 1891, literally just had our 130th anniversary in May, May 15th to be exact. So when we got free, we used the knowledge from those who were literally allies, who taught us how to read, taught us how to write, taught us about, you know, the, the simple mathematic equations or taught us about how education was that they were bestowed upon them to teach to us where we said, you know what, we want something for ourselves again. We want to build something for ourselves. We want to have something where we don't have to feel like we have to watch our back, limit ourselves, limit our knowledge, limit our power by just subjecting ourselves to be the minority and think that that's okay. And baby, when I tell you that the force of their lives, which is the 4th of July of quote unquote Independence Day is what it is today, that's exactly what it is. We're no longer limiting ourselves. We're no longer putting ourselves in boxes or atmospheres or places where we have to feel like we have to confine who we are. Crown Act is in the process. 13 states out of 37 still left to go, but in progress. 13 states have passed the Crown Act. Well, you cannot judge me for my hair. You cannot tell me I can't wear my hair like this, like that, or how I can do. Or as, as Auntie Tab said, like so, like that. Okay. But the fact we have to implement something so vigorous just for us to be us. Wake up, my people. Wake up, ghetto children. Wake up. Hello. The information's there. But are you going to be willing to absorb that knowledge to know that no matter what, they can't take your knowledge. They can't take your mind. They can't take what you have instilled in you. Understand what that red, black, and green mean. Understand that red of the blood, the black of the culture, the green of the richness of the, of, of the soils of Africa. Understand it. Live by it. Uphold it. Don't just make Juneteenth a day. Make it all year round. Make it a lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? Because all, this, all this, this propaganda on the 4th of July sale and Independence Day sale, this and that. And guess what? I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all are really out here celebrating 4th of July. But was just all black power on June 19th. You can't do both, beloved. Pick a struggle. Because if you pick the struggle of 4th of July over June 19th, baby, you're worse than what you think. You need to get out. Real whole time, Jordan Peele, get out. You're brainwashed and sucked because y'all are so used to the commercialization of holidays that are not meant for us. Y'all go hard for 4th of July. Y'all go hard for Cinco de Mayo. Y'all go hard for all these other man-made holidays whole time. The only black holiday that we fully acknowledge or we even have by grace is Dr. Martin Luther King Day of Service. But when it comes to Juneteenth, as until recently, ain't nobody was celebrating it. You can't celebrate both. And yes, I'm judging anybody who does. Because we weren't free on this day. Those 50 stars in that flag wasn't for us. The blood on it might be stained by our people because they use us as ploys, decoys, and pawns on, our, on that chessboard to try to let their white king and their white queen go ahead and prevail. But when are you going to say checkmate? When are you going to make enough moves to say checkmate? It's strategic, but be mindful because there's more unity in us with, as blacks than it is to be able to go against each other. And that's really all I got to say about it. So when you get up today or you think about today and 4th of July, and you're really out there celebrating with patriotism for these people where they're still murdering and killing us and having us sign up to really defend this country the whole time. They're not going to defend us in real life. Think about yourself for a second to see how logical and rational that makes sense.
Think about how your ancestors are feeling right now at this present moment, knowing you're just celebrating a holiday, but just try to give them accolades on the 19th. Wake up. Make it make sense. If you're going to pick a struggle, pick one that's worth fighting for, because some of them are not even worth the energy. So, I don't know what y'all about to do today. I know what I'm going to do. Um, I don't have no patriotism to this country because this country ain't for me and I ain't for this country. I just happen to, you know, be here. But uh, Juneteenth was my, was my holiday. These cauc- caucasoids can have today because the caucasians is going to be at an all-time high. But um, the Karens and Kens are going to be out today, honey. And you know what? It's even more obvious to know where they're at because they probably still have them damn Trump Pence signs 2020 up in their yard to let you know this is right here is bigotry and racism at its finest. Come find me. Red alert. Flag on the play. Flag on the play. Hey, I'm here. I'm a, I'm a Karen. Hey, I'm here. I'm a Ken. So my people, move in life with chess, not checkers. Be mindful and strategic. Use the points on the board or the pieces on the board to your advantage to protect that queen by any means necessary. And make sure that king doesn't get caught up into a place where there's a checkmate. I love y'all. And don't let the force of their lives be the force of your hand. I'll see y'all later. Man, black on black love. You just got to embrace and go a little further in life. (sighs) Y'all know I got mad love for y'all. We about to be almost done with season three, baby. Crazy. But I thank y'all for loving on me and rocking with me. As I always say on air, be real, be true, and be unapologetically you. Peace and love. Yeah.